Welcome. I'm the Falcon of the West. And I'm the Prince of Precision. And we are the the Attack Attack Action Action Podcast. Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with my co-host and best friend, Isaac. What's up, dude? Oh, nothing much. Just a rainy California day. And we uh, we got a lot to talk about, a lot to think about regarding um, the current game state and the most recent calling. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot has happened. We've had two callings, one in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and one most recently in Cincinnati. And uh, so today we're going to kind of go over those results. We're going to try to talk about the ProQuest as much as we can with as little information as we have and be kind of looking at everything through the lens of um, getting to play in the national tournament that's coming up at the beginning of November. But before we get to that, um, any shout outs you have, Isaac? Also, we started this whole intro without a single joke or a giggle. Very business. <laughs> We're just professionals now. <laughs> yeah, totally. We also just uh, recorded the second episode of our sister podcast that's a YouTube exclusive, um, doing coverage of the previous calling with our buddy Colin. The the Dallas calling. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so check that out um, on YouTube if you have not already. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode will mostly be talking about the most recent, the Cincinnati calling, uh, because we already, you know, covered some of that ancient history last week. <laughs> uh, shout outs. Uh, I do not have any shout outs this week. Oh, dang. Okay. I thought what I you said, got for me. I have none. Ooh, big air ball. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Everybody else has been slacking apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody of note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess a Just tiny kidding. tiny shout out to uh, Yazzie. He posted on Twitter the other day, like, been listening to a ton of podcasts. Put me on. <laughs> He's basically <laughs> like, I would like to be. Put me in, coach. Yeah, totally. So uh, maybe, nice. maybe we'll get that uh, goblin on our podcast. Um, also, I guess shout out to John, who is our winner of our t-shirt giveaway. And if you're like, what t-shirt giveaway well you should have been paying attention on youtube yeah there's free shit going on over there <laughs> yeah totally um so john that's in the mail i don't know if you actually listen to the podcast maybe you're a youtube only guy but you'll hear this on youtube when it's up also so it's in the mail um and if you're like what well, i want some free shit go check out the reaction step you'll learn how to enter into that sweepstakes <laughs> feel like a nickelodeon channel now <laughs> uh, okay let's uh let's gimmicks get... and prizes galore <laughs> yeah. there's just freaking gack raining down <laughs> from the ceilings or whatever it's called i don't know and if you're too young to know what that is shame on you get on youtube it all comes back full circle uh talk to me about that first piece of news there isaac Okay, so LSS announced uh, a little while ago now that Crucible Unlimited will no longer be printed. O-O-P. And everybody freaked out. <laughs> but some some caveats. <laughs> but they it's did. true. It, you, it y'all, it y'all lost your mind and need to freaking chill out. 
But yeah, a couple couple little disclaimers here. There's still tons of product out there with some still being delivered to stores and, you know, um, suppliers and all that. Uh, LSS did announce, which I thought was pretty bold, that they will never print Crucible again. <laughs> but um, they this does not mean that they can't reprint cards, right? So if there is like extremely high demand for, you know, any of those cards they can replant or if it's especially applicable to the you know gameplay or game state of a future set i think in theory they could reprint any of those um i gotta I, tell you that this news did make me think you know because i was like because ah, i i think i i sold my shiny cokes i only have one cokes of commotion you know and i only have two aether eyes both unplayable cards <laughs> But, you know, I just started thinking about what cards in Crucible might I want, you know, like that kind of deal. Because the the really beautiful thing about that set, a lot of people didn't like it because it's not playable, which does take some of the fun out. But not in limited. Yeah. 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 yeah, Um, A lot of those a lot of those cards are kind of like toolboxy cards, you know, that, uh, you know, like Feign Death, a card that I really love and can kind of wax and wane in and out of gameplay for like years to come probably like a lot of those cards are very cool and kind of weird and open-ended and powerful in the right situations um so i just started thinking about what cards i'm missing but it's all good (laughs) they'll be available for quite some time all right there's my like long spiel about that do you have any thoughts on this crucible um i don't know not really like yeah, we got a bunch of staple cards. I'm not stressed out because, like, you know, we're, uh, like, of the second wave of early adopters of Flesh and Blood. So, like, some of, like, our third episode is after we, like, drunkenly tried to figure out how to draft <laughs> Crucible, you know? Um, <laughs> which was which was a wild experience. Um, but... So I'm like not that worried about that. Um, And it seems like if you're going to have three sets a year, one of them be supplemental, you know, you might as well allow yourself the type of flexibility that you would need because there needs to be right. Eventually there just won't be a reason to buy uh, welcome to Wraith really. You know what I mean? Like nobody's really going to be opening those packs, I guess. I don't know. My point is, is like there are some staple cards from earlier sets that you could just, I guess, buy singles of or whatever. I don't know. There will be a point where the game is so long because there's no rotation that you'll need to offer earlier set cards or later set cards in a like supplemental set or something like that, you know, just to kind of keep it in rotation or uh give new players a kind of place to buy from currently you know what i mean just because there's the like i don't really want to buy old cards i like the new cards that just probably type of like mentality potentially amongst the consumer um but other than that i i just uh don't care i guess yeah and i mean they they have to print to demand yeah right like you can't just have every unlimited 
set constantly printed, you know. And like you said, they can there's ways around there's singles, there's reprint, there's you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a way way better way to frame it is like, okay, so we're constantly printing Welcome to Wraith, Arcane Rising, uh Monarch, Tales of Aria. What does this look like in uh X amount of years? You know? Uh, one of those things have to go down, but we still need to get players those cards. We can put that in supplemental sets, I suppose, right? All right, what, uh, what's next up on the news? Uh, the other little segue into that is that James White confirmed to Tannen, shout out to Tannen, who's a, a great caster um, for the last, excuse me, uh, callings or whatever, Um that on November 16th, sorry, drinking bubbly water. I'm very burpy. <laughs> this is new for me. Not bubbly water, just bubbly water on the cast. Um, James White said that November 16th, we're going to get the announcement for the supplemental set in, coming out in Q1. And that in that supplemental set, every class will get cards so we're talking your ninjas we're talking your wizards we're talking uh who else hasn't gotten any cards in a while um dash yeah mechanologist although that one was newer but yeah yeah totally every so i guess all nine classes will get some amount of cards yep there's only nine there's nine classes merchant Sorry to all the merchant players out there. I am so fucking sorry. <laughs> you are totally competitive and totally viable. Totally. Um, bad. What Gemini's? about Gemini's? Yeah. Shapeshifters? Shapeshifters. <laughs> sorry. Do you, you think can't... actually, I guess, will those get cards as well? I don't know. That's the real, that's the tasty question. The thing is, there could the be. The Cavdane gem- specialization. <laughs> Which is just like redeem this card and you get a get a cleaver, and then if you play another card, you chop off your opponent's hand, <laughs> and then they have to pay you a hundred dollars to get their hand back. I don't know. You're the first person I've talked to actually, <laughs> kind of all day, and we're doing this podcast, so I'm a little nice. It's a, it's a little weird for a me. A lot of thoughts brewed in there. Yeah, yeah, totally. it's, it's great. But so yeah, cards for every class, which is really cool. I think. Um, that's what you should do with a supplemental set. I'm like really excited about that. I'm like beyond excited. Agreed. Uncontrollably guess... excited. Can you hear it? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a lot. Uh, you have a lot of thoughts on this, but we are going to do an episode right after the number, November 16th announcement. Um, Reaction you know, step. Yeah. Uh, brainstorming about this. But... This does kind of segue into our listener mail. Cool. I'll put an effect on that. <laughs> well, I don't, I'll, I don't know. We got to find a listener mail voice. Um, so Zane on Twitter nice. asks, given the news of a new supplemental set, what are some new cards you're hoping to see? I'm hoping for a claw attack reaction. So mandible claws can become a bit more threatening on non blood rush turns. Are there any specific card archetypes that you think are most needed? 
Yes. That, I mean, Zane, thanks so much for your question. We also have one from Hayden too, which I will, uh, we'll get to after this. I forgot to tell you. Surprise. <laughs> Fair enough. We also, we have several questions. So if we don't get to your questions, uh, this episode, look forward to those in coming episodes. Hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so what we saw in Crucible is that classes just got the cards they kind of needed to like help them out in a weakness area, right? Like, um, you know, Dorinthia got, at the time, it's just Dorinthia, gets hit and run. Um, which is a real staple in like every warrior deck basically now. Um, not so much Bolton, but um, in like Axes, Bolton or whatever. Um, that gives you go again and allows you to sidestep into another attack. You know, Viscerai gets the like one cost uh, attacks that attack for like four in red, which are really good with like little hit effects. You get some really cool Majestics also for for everybody um you know uh reinar gets arc smash that allow that like helps with rock paper scissors with the dominance of dash at the time um so i would expect a similar thing for all of the classes in that they are going to i would say like your commons and rares are going to be generically really good you know what i mean just like uh, solid cards. Like maybe um, warriors get like just another attack reaction, probably, you know, um, with some sort of reprise situation. Yeah, like your sleep dart or whatever. Yeah. Was that a crucible, actually? Sorry, fact check me. <laughs> um, sleep dart, I think, is a crucible. I think so. Card. Anyway, moving doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. So like, well, arrows with more hit effects, etc. But then that the majestics is probably where you get the spice, right? Is like, oh, this is obviously a chain, um, majestic and stuff. Like, I don't think we're gonna get. uh, And who knows? I could be wrong. If there's like 400 cards in the set, then I would say like, yeah, talent cards are gonna be in there too. But I don't think we're gonna get like a shadow card that is a non-attack action that we can play from banish so that that chain rises again from the ashes like a phoenix um i don't think something like that is going to happen but i obviously could be wrong and have been many times what did zane particularly ask what cards am i most looking for yeah what are some new cards you're hoping to see yeah i suppose that's it i'm just hoping to see like Oh, this is what I'm 100% hoping to see. I'm hoping to see more weapons and armor. That's what I want to see. That are like, you know, relatively powerful. So we just have more options to enable more archetypes for all of the heroes. Definitely. That makes sense. Like, uh, there isn't... We get two bows in Tails and both of them are Elemental Ranger. Like, it would be cool if we got, like, another ranger weapon that's, like, totally different, you know, some more ranger armor, etc., you know, all of that stuff. Or some cards to freaking enable Dread Scythe to be a thing, you know? <laughs> I want to see the Dread Scythe work. Been trying. Yeah, if you have swung Dread Scythe this turn, <laughs> you know, play Harvest Souls for free from your hand or whatever. Yeah, to- <laughs> totally. Make 
40 rune chance. I don't know. That's over overpowered. But yeah, so something like that. Just more... Because I think that's like the most fun part of... Or like one of the more fun parts of the game is like outfitting your hero, right? Like right now in the Briar deck that I'm playing, it's just like all my equipment is just legendaries. And that's like... <laughs> kind of cool i guess skeleta is a uh a majestic but anyway just if there were more viable things in different slots of rarity yeah i completely agree with the armor and weapons because in this game um some classes or characters are a little bit one-dimensional unfortunately but overall in the whole game i think they've done a good job of designing you know, a lot of these characters you can deck build pretty creatively, but it in a lot of the classes, I think, yeah, it's like the the limited good armor and weapon options are like pretty uninteresting, right? Like they're branching out more now, but it would be very cool if you just had so much choice that with your, you know, uh, control briar archetype you just run a completely different set of equipment than with your you know lightning aggro briar or you know whatever or you run one that just enables a powerful combo like a sonata thing or you run you know whatever um i think they could really it, it would just like you know broaden the deck building if there were more tools at your disposal yeah do you do you think we're going to get more like blitz heroes like we got in Crucible when we get uh, Tusible. I don't know. Maybe. I kind of don't care. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a huge Blitz fan. Yeah. But it's like, you know, that they released all those and it made Blitz more fun and interesting. You know, it was like, it was great. And then it did not. Yeah, for like a month until someone was just like, oh, right. Ira's legal. Ira's broken. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just do that. <laughs> totally. Um but it, I don't know. I think Blitz Heroes are pretty cool because they're like a fun thing and it like doesn't impact nationals or whatever if you make a broken Blitz right. Hero. So, do, do you think that we'll ever get, do you think maybe then we just get adult versions of like Kasai, Benji, and KO? Or do you think those stay just Blitz only heroes forever? I have no idea. I mean, it's up to, it's up to the devs, right? Because you'd have to test them in Constructed. I don't, I don't know if Ira is still broken and constructed or not, mm, right? Right. Or if, like, Kasai is really good and constructed, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would be fun to, like, play those those archetypes or those characters in constructed, but, you know, you have no idea what the balance issues would be. Yeah. I would really also like to see some more payoff for uh, copper, silver, and gold. Oh, yeah. They introduced that whole mechanic, <laughs> yeah. and then there was nothing to buy. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we, yeah, we had a discussion about that. Like, oh, now there's a money system, monetary. <laughs> yeah, totally. What are they going to do with this? Totally. Nothing at all. Nothing, nope. yeah. No. We're just going to play stuff out of Banish. You just cash in once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, great question, Zane. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Wait, hey, I still have something to say. Oh, do you? Only you answered that question. Oh, my God. I just have been talking so long, I assumed you did. Um. No, I don't have uh I was surprised by this question this morning. I don't have a lot of 
So I there are game mechanics and certain things I would like to see introduced, but that could not be in a supplemental set. What I just hope for in the supplemental set is that cards will have the same utility of, of Crucible. Because cards like, I'm going to use Beast Within, uh, Remorseless, and Feign Death as examples. These are super powerful cards that introduce kind of complex and multiple lines of play and utility, but are not like overpowered or broken in any way. They just made the game, the the piloting and the deck building kind of much more interesting. So I, I just hope that, uh, you know, we'll get kind of more, because I don't, I don't want just another like command and conquer, right? Or just a variation on, oh, here's one powerful card for this character. I want to see the same thing. Like Beast Within, most of the times you draw that card or you, it's just like offline. It costs three swings for six, right? But it blocks for three. It's a yellow. And if you do pull off its uh, effect, you know, with a uh, blood rush or um, shadow of blasphemy or any of these things, it just can become really powerful. But the impossibility of ensuring that every time makes it very balanced. Same with Feign Death, right? Doesn't block, doesn't do anything else, but very powerful, you know, when you take a Kadachi and then block their, you know, Plunder Run, Command and Conquer for nine. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, ju I just hope that the quality lives up to that standard because I'm a huge, huge fan of Crucible cards just in that way. Um, you know, the yeah, Gaze it, the Ages. There's yeah. just like uh, so many cards that are so powerful and so cool. And just so complex in the game. Yeah, totally. You even get um, rattle bones, right? Yeah. Which are our first like non-wizard instant speed situation, uh, which has kind of fallen off of favor. Um, I think it could make a comeback into the meta, into decks and stuff. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. I think the supplemental set is really cool. And I'm really excited to figure out some sort of draft limited play still with it you know like two packs it has to be sealed i think right but maybe you get some packs from you could just add i don't know we'll have to see what the cards are packs of the set of the character you choose yeah or something <laughs> yeah or like you know you get uh maybe nine packs and you get three from welcome to ray three from arcane rising and i don't know anyway wild yeah it'd be fun to try to figure that out to see how the pack distribution uh, is maybe it's not possible but i i do agree with zane because i was playing levi last night and uh it would be nice to have the claws have another utility they kind of do off a of pulping but it's really hard to have the resources for that and they still go for three each it's just not that great so um yeah i, I don't know about attack reaction but just another claw line would be really really cool Totally, yeah. Some more axe support would be cool too. Yeah. You know? Anyway, everything, more support for everything would be cool, is what we're saying. <laughs> Which is what it will be. All right. <laughs> yeah. What's Hayden got to say? Hayden is wondering why, well, specifically me, because it's my Twitter, he, but I assume he means not only the Falcon of the West, but also the Prince of Precision. Um, why we continue to hide our limited prowess by not going to the callings. And will you be drafting a spicy archetype at nationals? My answer to that is your mother. <laughs> no, I don't know. 
Listen to the pod, Hayden. We're not going to nationals, okay? God, way to rub it in. Well, I can still go to nationals. I've been thinking about it. I thought you're, it passed your deadline. No, I accepted it because why not? You know. Never mind. You might but, see um, Isaac there. The answer to that is uh, cost and time for me, right? Like I have not put in a lot of uh, draft or limited practice. I think I'm like above average talented at it now that I've done it enough. But I just have not like practiced enough to spend, you know, 1500 bucks to go stay in a hotel by myself, lose in Cincinnati, and then not know what to do and fly home. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my answer to that. Um, Yeah, I've thought about nationals just because of the opportunity is now kind of live in the moment. But I've also not practiced enough. And Isaac doesn't believe we're going to qualify next year, which I keep telling him. (laughs) Just like say you're going to qualify and then put in the time and then you'll do it. It's just always going to be hard to qualify. Cool. Makes it that much sweeter when we do it. Um, also, Hayden, to explain where we live a little bit better to you, we live in the bush. I think that's a term from the country you live in. So maybe that helps you understand. There's no, like, the closest international airport is like six hours away, you know, from my house. Five from Isaac's. So... Um, it makes it just hard to travel across our country to get to Florida time wise and, uh, expenses wise and stuff. So yeah. Or Dallas or Cincinnati. Yeah. And totally. I, I could go to one of those, probably not all three, you know, finances wise, mm-hmm. or I just don't prioritize. I don't know. It's just a lot. Yeah. Totally. It's a busy time of year for me as well. Yeah. You know? So, but we're we're uh, looking forward to it next year. At least I am. I'm really planning on uh, scheduling and prioritizing competitive flesh and blood for the next road to national season and nationals. You know, because like this year it was just like okay, let's try to qualify, right? Um, and then boom, did it. So. We're going to try to repeat that performance and then also go to nationals and try to get to an extra calling, right? That's like baby steps, you know? Totally. And I am 100% on board with that. You heard it here. I He's 100% on board. trying to qualify. 100%. No, we're not going to try. We're going to. <laughs> I am just uh, not very smart. So this was pretty funny. I told my girlfriend that um, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to this. I'm like kind of playing one of the the worst characters though, so it's you know I have like a less chance of winning. And she goes, "Don't you get to pick what character you play?" <laughs> Which <laughs> I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. When you put it like that, I just feel like a, an idiot. Yeah. But anyway, um, I I do not purchase nor practice with all of the cards or characters, so. My qualifying next year is kind of contingent on one of my characters being playable. Right. Well, we'll we'll get into that. I think there's um, some hope for you, I suppose, when we get to kind of the pro quest and the results we've been seeing in that. Right. Right. right? So let's we've diddle daddled, dawdled around long enough. Let's get over to our main topic, 
which is um, The Calling, both Cincinnati and Dallas. Um, so in, uh, we'll briefly talk about Dallas really quick. Um, so we'll talk about the callings and then we'll move into the pro quest. Um, so in Dallas, we see that Briar in the sealed portion of the calling is, um, running rampant, right? Everybody's playing Briar mostly, um, and it seems like that hero just has like out of the sealed pool a much stronger time, right? Like not even just like I don't have a good uh, Lexi or Oldheim pool. It's just like Briar kind of on average is just a little bit better, you know? Yeah, and the way I think about it, and I think we talked about this when the game first started, just... The way I see it is like if you don't have a strong Lexi or Oldheim pool, yeah. Briar is kind of the strongest just at based average. Yeah, um, exactly. There, there are definitely cards you can be missing that really hamper Briar, but it kind of seems to be, I don't know, you, you just have a better chance of having a decent Briar deck. Yeah, you just decks. need like, what did we say? Like Bramble Spark any color, Ball Lightning any color, and a Mark of Lightning. Yeah. And then your game plan is just get him to four, kill him. Totally. Enough non-attack actions with go again. Any attacks with go again. You know, there's just like a bunch of pieces to this puzzle that can really, um, yeah. you know, really shine with just regular cards. Yeah. And it seems like you're, um, you know, a little bit or the belief is or I don't know. It's tough because it's in a competitive environment at this time rather than maybe people taking some chances, um, which you most certainly do not want to take a chance if you're trying to like do the best and win. Um, but it's like your your pool for Lexi or Oldheim has to be kind of considerably better than your Briar pool is what we kind of see in both callings for the sealed portion for you to really consider running them, right? Um, <clears throat> but we see something like Nom... Um, and uh, and Michael kind of played Oldheim all day, even in sealed. You know, yeah, I thought that was interesting because I, you know, Nam was definitely forcing Oldheim in draft, but I mean, everybody has the same random sealed packs. So I was wondering if he was open to the idea of playing a different character if his Oldheim pull was like really bad. Or if he just had practice and had such a dialed Oldheim strategy that his card pool would have just had to have been totally awful for him not to play that character. You know, it was his um, kind of disciplined mechanics with, you know, a mediocre and up Oldheim pool that he would have stuck with it, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, spoilers, if you don't know, um, a gentleman named Nam won, or Nam, excuse me, um, won the Dallas calling on an Oldheim fatigue strategy. Um, which brings us to kind of like, or do you have anything other to say about sealed? It's just like Briar's the strongest, nope. right? Um, it gets you there. And that's like, I don't know, a little bit of a bummer to me that, that that's how that turned out. Um, but the draft portion of Tales of Aria is where things get a spicy in terms of like 
you know, competitive gameplay and that sort of thing. Yeah, I just, I also think in Sealed, it's, this is a very explosive, kind of powerful set, (laughs) right? So you, you know, I've noticed you kind of only get one use your life as a resource momentum swing or whatever. Um, And if you make one or two mistakes, it like probably will lose you the game. So I think also just playing a pretty aggressive briar um, deck just gives you a little bit of, you know, like a leg up in that department, right? Because you're you're not playing a mid-range deck where you have to calculate exchanges all freaking day (laughs) and not make too many mistakes or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, th- yeah, I think that's a great um, point about that. While Bri- why Briar kind of um, lends itself a little bit better, you know. In theory, you're like, oh, maybe uh, Frost, a Frosty Lexi, kind of helps tempo, right? But it really depends on what those Frost cards are, right? Like, if they're Frost attacks or Ice attacks. Um, then you just like flip up a winter's grasp and play that out. And then that's your turn. Like not super, super impactful. Like the best is maybe like icy encounter even then, like not that great. So you really want to flip up those like hand taxers. Yeah. Chilling ice vein. Yeah. And you want to be playing chilling ice veins and, uh, blizzard and and winter's bite yeah and all of those right so if you just don't even have those it's hard to tempo with lexi um yeah the the stars have to align a little bit more for her because then if you get a lot of attacks also in lightning but they're like lightning surge and ball lightning then flipping those up does you nothing also right because you don't get the benefit um from the go again so it's a delicate a delicate balance there for the other two heroes anyway uh and then on to draft for dallas just quickly people draft they play each other we get to the top eight um and we get five briars forced in the top eight and um four this is in dallas oh in dallas yeah okay gotcha and then uh so that means nam who um after listening to Arsenal pass and what we had talked about on the reaction step was like, there's no way people do not know that this person is going to play guardian, right? There has to be like, all right, I'm on his left. I'm on his right. You know, like kind of understanding, I guess the table dynamics, which did not happen. And he just got to pick all of the best guardian cards basically ever, you know? Yeah, and his deck was, you know, broken for limited. It was really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, which we, we talked about a little bit before, so I'll just kind of speed through this. But, like, yeah, when you sit down at the table and you know somebody's going to force Guardian, you need somebody to compete with them. But then it's also, that's just one of those slots already declared. So you're maybe handicapping yourself a little bit by choosing to compete with you know, him and whoever else chooses to go that way. It just makes for a, a difficult table dynamic. Um, and obviously nobody stepped up and, you know, I get it's tough. Cause I got nobody stepped up and kind of sacrificed themselves to thin out the guardian pool. But then, you know, everybody lost to guardian because of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
I don't know how to word it more eloquently than that, but it's just a, it's like a sticky situation. Yeah, totally. And there's some definite, like, you know, psychological factors at work there too, you know, like, um, that have to come in when you're like competing at the highest level, you know, maybe for your first time, you know, you're like, Ooh, this is a good Briar card that feels comfortable. You know, you just pick like what feels comfortable maybe, or you're like, you know, Ooh, this looks open. Oh crap. It's, it's not, you know, or what, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot that goes into that. And then it also depends on where you sit too and what signals you get from the person passing to you or whatever, you know, it, it can be challenging, especially when there's only three heroes. Like, it it doesn't matter, right? There will always be one hero more represented than the others. And right. I don't know if, if people were th- have been thinking about that. Like, you're trying to get in the seat where you're just one of two. Not right. two, like, not one of uh, two plus. Right. I mean, there were, in the perfect world, there would be three players for two different heroes and two for one of them yeah and those would be the two best yeah yeah totally yeah so you're just trying not to be one of those you know like when you're at the top eight um which is a lot harder said than done to like read those signals and stay open and stuff you know um so that's what we see guardian guardian wins the whole thing control strategy handily handily it was awesome it was uh expert expert piloting and i mean part of that um, you know, I think Briar has the best chance against that, but you know, with five Briars, all those decks were m- way too diluted to stand a chance. You know, their threat level was just too low. Can't go wide enough. Don't have enough arcane, so yeah. they could not uh not deal with the the one player old time deck. Yeah, I think the Lexi. I think Lexi can do it as well because you just kind of have dominate on a stick. You know, and um, you, but the tough thing is, is you just have to be uh, cognizant of like actual defense reactions from Arsenal, you know, and it's just really, it's just really tense. Like you run 30 cards, maybe they're on 35, you're going to see the cards you pitch before they do, but you're like maybe lining up, you know, I don't know. They're just like pitching earth cards down there so they can keep recurring that earth card defense reaction. And if they've, you know, been sitting on something in their arsenal for a while, then maybe you have to go back through your deck. I don't know. You know, it just is like it can be pretty tough for sure. Um, But that's your like only advantage is that you run a slimmer deck. It's not your only advantage. It's just one of them that you can play into. You run the slimmer deck. You get to that second cycle before they do. And you got to track like kind of their pitch. Totally, and buffs are just a little bit uncommon, maybe, in this set. So, right, like, if you just come in with an arrow for five dominate, they can block all of it yeah. with a card in the old-time reaction, right? So you have to have a pumped arrow, hopefully double-pumped or something. But then even if they don't have a defense reaction, then it's like they block five of it. So you swing for eight, right? Get three through. You know, damage done, but it's just... It's yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really, really tough. Um 
So yeah, so then let's get into, let's quickly go through this um, Cincinnati calling too, yeah. right? Um, so we see the same thing that happens in Sealed, day one, uh, shit ton of Briar, 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 um, etc. A bit of a change was they did another round of Swiss in that anybody who was X and two made it to day two. Um, so there was more than 64 people, I guess, or mm. whatever, which I think is just to make sure that you get as even numbers as possible for the drafting pods. Right. Oh, gotcha. So then if, if people, um, decide to go play the pro quest the next day, um, you still want to have like eight, eight person pods, um, which is cool. I think that's a, a better strategy for sure. And it's cool that, um, the OP team is uh, improving upon um, the format and stuff to make it better for everybody and to make the event a lot better. Um, <clears throat> um, we, I, yeah, go ahead. Go well, ahead. A, just a couple notes about the um, Cincinnati calling itself. Um, we kind of laid into or critique the like some of the announcing and the judging and just like things in general about Dallas. And I thought the, um, the, you know, uh, card description, um, you know, or like play mechanics from the announcers as well as the judging was quite a bit better in the Cincinnati calling. Um, shout shout out to Rob. He really crushed it. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I might've missed, um, some things there. I didn't watch quite as much, but I watched almost all of, uh, day two and, um, yeah, that just seemed to be, you know, a little bit better production that way. I also like how they cut over to the ProQuest to some degree. Um, you know, especially uh, once it got into the higher higher games for the ProQuest. Um, oh, yeah. You know, there, that was just pretty fun to see. There was a uh, uh, Bravo mirror. That was pretty fun to watch, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Agro Bravo mirror. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, you know, we get to draft, uh, in day two and, um, you know, there's like some stories, but really it's all about the top eight, like what's going to happen in this next top eight, you know? Um, and so in the top eight in Cincinnati, we see now this time four Briars instead of five. So an improvement there, two Lexis again, but two old Himes, um, and uh, so what do you, what do you think about that Isaac? Uh I think so Oldheim takes it out again, right? Um but less handily so. Right. Um definitely like had a better finals game and could have lost maybe. The four briars still diluted that briar pool, which is who uh the Oldheim player played in the finals, uh, Tarek. Shout out to Tarek. That guy is uh very new and very good. Totally. Just bold. mechanically or like play-wise. Yeah, um, bold strategy. Not only does he, um, like a crazy person, have his deck at like 45 degrees, um, he also chose not to wear sleeves at all on day two. You're just letting them them cannons out. Totally. But it's didn't want to... Intimidation factor. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. don't have to use them. Yeah, he didn't use them. <laughs> and he didn't want to be cold, though, because he wore a beanie at the same time, right? tactical beanie i think um so keep the organs cool yeah the gun's hot yeah (laughs) the gun (laughs) that's not how beanies work (laughs) well your brain's an organ 
Yeah, totally. It's keeping it warm. Oh, sorry. So right. it can yeah. work. Yeah. Right? And then the guns are out there yeah. glinting gotcha. to distract right. your opponent. Back that up. Yeah, totally. It's we, all right. We didn't you, have a rehearsal. As a person who doesn't have guns, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Dig, 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 dag. Um, um, so what I think is interesting is you get to watch Matt Rogers' um, draft for yeah. the top eight. And he's sitting right next to Tarek. Who's also on Briar, and I just don't understand how that happened. You know, I don't get it. Um, Matt Rogers is a much better player than I am, uh, but you know, just why I kind of felt like he was a little bit all over the place and was not impressed with his first round of picks. Yeah, totally. We're no, experts at this game, it, also. Well, I've <laughs> also won a road to nationals. Well, in that situation, I would have. You know, I mean, it's like tough, right? You're like in the spotlight. He has a freaking camera over his shoulder. You know, totally. I mean, but he's like the most famous person in flesh and blood. He should be. Totally. Should, it just is like we're. It just was interesting because it was like, oh, he's like obviously just starting to draft Briar, but then like get some really good Briar cards in some packs, like a some suede hides and some other like powerful cards that come by, and he chooses something else to try to then remain open you know yeah. i don't i don't know it was just like an interesting couple of picks um with then like you know somebody passes you um some pretty big signals i thought but maybe it was like you know i think Tarek's maybe signals he, were a little bit hard to read too because yeah. it did look like he had briar and then dried up at one point but just in the first like I don't know, 10 picks from Matt. I uh, feel like he's a little bit too too all, all over the place there. Um, which again, it's a tough tough set. But <laughs> yeah. um, I just, you know, I would have, uh, I think I would have probably stayed open and got, because he like dipped into Oldheim, dipped into Briar, then kind of pulled out of both a bunch. I think I tend to... But then he wound up on Briar anyway. Yeah. I think I tend to stay open and maybe like cherry pick a little bit of one class and then I dive in or hard pivot. I don't, I don't like sprinkle for the first 10 cards because then you get kind of in a little bit tough of a position. But again, yeah, my thoughts on this format always, you know, grow and change because there's so much to learn. Yeah, totally. It just is interesting to see those picks and those cards and you know because i watched it live and i was like whoa i would have picked uh this other card you know i wouldn't have made that pick um they just you know did not seem very obvious and then you know he winds up being one of four briars you know even the announcers i think rob is uh like oh yeah he's definitely going briar he's got to pick these things and then he just like kind of didn't um not that we're trying to harp on Matt Rogers. It's just our only data point that we have from the table. Right. right he was the only one filmed. Yeah. So I yeah. can't, you know, critique anybody else. Yeah, totally. Just uh, just pretty interesting. But then, yeah, Michael wins it with Oldheim. And in his interview afterwards, he just said, like, I just studied Nam's, like, drafts and gameplay from the week before and did my own testing on that and tried to see if I could, like, find something that beat that and it was like pretty close not like uh universally better so i just told myself like hey if this is open just draft it 
And then that's what he did. And then he won, you know, and understood that strategy real well, trying to beat it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, and I think Tarek did a a really good job, like having gigantic turns. Like he understood what he kind of had to do against control all time. Like, uh, you know, kind of taking a bit of damage, but then having like an insane turn where he plays, uh, a non-attack action into an attack and then another non-attack action into another attack into Rosetta, you know? Um, so that's like that type of like three wide getting that embodiment of lightning token type of kind of large play was, I think a good strategy for sure. Yeah. But, and I think, I mean, I guess my closing thought here is I think that this is going to kind of even itself out once people kind of, maybe respect more and prioritize Oldheim more, right? Because if, like, Oldheim is the one at the table who has four drafters every time, then the Oldheims are going to get weaker, right? And the ignored hero is going to be stronger. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's also only two Lexis here, um, and I don't know what exactly those decks look like. But, you know, it, it's... I don't think this deck is so overpowered in this format that it's, like, with four people drafting it, I would hope that, you know, one of those would probably not win because then you have a condensed other hero with the tools to, you know, beat one of four old times. So we'll see what, you know, how it goes in the future. Yeah. So, so with this information now for the limited parts of nationals, what do you do? You know, you play your first three rounds of classic constructed and then you get to your draft. What are you doing? I'm asking you. <laughs> um, boy, that's a really big question. <laughs> yeah, let's say you know you go two one, right? right? And then you're into the draft. It now hinges on you know your your draft. <laughs> I get. I I mean, it's yeah, that's a pretty tough question. It just, I guess, what I first look for. The way I see it, you have, you know, you probably have like three whiffs or something, right? So if like, you know, uh, a broken, like say Pulse of Volt Haven comes around, um, you can pick that and then not use it. But you don't have that many of those. In general, what I kind of try to look out for is like um, very powerful, um, powerful element cards, which I try to stay, I try not to branch out into all three too much you can usually see the signs right like if red autumn's touch gets passed to you i mean odds are the player right next to you is not picking earth and um but what if there was a red earth lore surge yeah totally you know but you know you don't again you're not married to that yeah but you are pretty quickly i just mean like that could be what they picked in the no no i know yeah okay that's what i mean so then you pick red autumn's touch but then if earth keeps coming you know you yeah. can keep into it. And then I guess just knowing the quality, right? Like Red Earth Lore Surge is very good. Um, but, you know, there's other cards that are like a little bit more niche. Um, like a Red Lightning Surge is excellent in Briar. You know, pretty good in Lexi, but it kind of redundance itself. Right. Um Unless you have another non-arrow attack by chance. But in general, gets to Briar's weapon. Excellent in Briar. Less good in Lexi. Red Heaven's Claw. Excellent in Lexi. 
underwhelming in Briar because you're probably swinging that instead of your weapon maybe or something. So there's like, and all of these cards I just listed are like power cards, but have kind of different roles and different amounts of openness, if that makes sense. So I guess my general plan is kind of hard to uh, just describe in one sentence, but I, I guess that's what it is, right? Is like some of these power cards are like first picks. Some are like more niche and you got to like read and choose what you're doing. Maybe in the first four or five cards, maybe you don't have what you're doing yet, but you kind of kind of got to read it and know. Yeah. Yeah. I think to help summarize your point is like not every essence card pick is actually leaving you open. Right. Right. So like if I pick Red Heaven's Claw, then that although allows me to play Lexi and Briar, it's much more of a Lexi pick than it is a Briar pick. Totally. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, so, so do you so, want to like rift off that or go like if you sit down, what yeah, are you what are you looking that, at? That's um, I think what you would have to do leading up to nationals is identify. Right. What cards period leave you the most open early to pick so that you can read signals right rather than like you know i think some theory might be just pick the best card in the first couple of packs and read the signals that way right Um, because you do have some picks you can throw away but i think you have to remember that like you know if you aren't going to play your first four cards you pick in pack one, right? Then you still have three cards coming at the end of pack one, at the end of pack one, one at the end of pack two, and one at the end of pack three that you might not play also. So then that would right. be eight total cards, which I think you wind up with like 15 cards you could not play, right? I think it's how the math works. Yeah, the, this is a, this is a good discussion. Yeah, um, on drafts, like, and that kind of goes back to Matt Rogers' picks, right? Like, I was surprised he picked so many, like, into both Briar and Oldheim because of that. Like, at the end, you're going to get past like Blue Dazzling Crescendo, also, which like adds to your count there. Yeah, which, yeah of cards really you cannot play. Yeah. yeah, So those, you know, if you pick six cards that are class specific early. Yeah, three of those you can't play, and then all the garbage you get past you can't play, or some of, or, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. And and there's a bit of, like, I think nerves you get when you're like, ooh, here's a, like, red entwine lightning, or a red entwine earth. Like, that leaves me the most open, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, entwine lightning, I think much more so, because it's a zero for four, right? But entwine earth is two for six but you really want it to be that two for eight, which is freaking dope. That's like yeah. my favorite card that I was not very, that's the card I think I flipped back on the most in the set, having played a lot more. Yeah. It's know. really good because it's one of those cards that fuses and then you want to put in your arsenal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like fuses Bramble Spark itself and then plays and off Twine of Earth it. doesn't. Oh, right, right. Yeah, sorry. Right. Sorry. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. of burgeoning. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, burgeoning yeah. is also great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it's just two for eight is like excellent value. Yeah. But so then like you pick Entwine Earth and you're like, cool, now to get this to work, Earth needs to be open, you know? Right. 
and I haven't furthered any other game plan except for that now I need Earth <laughs> right. to make this really good card work. Which, um, saying it now, you're like, dude, just pick whatever the next card is. You'll be fine. That's like one card you don't have to pick. But it kind of makes you nervous to make that pick because right. it's so powerful, right? You're like, I really want to be able to play this in my deck because two for eight is freaking awesome. Yeah. You know? Or like in Twine Lightning, you know, if you're running light. It's like an attack with go again in Briar is excellent. Yeah. Those are like top priority. Yeah. Somehow you're going to make light embodiment of lightning tokens or your attack has go or whatever. Yeah. But like, so that's. I think it's really... even good in Lexi too because you can arsenal that and fuse it from hand. Still play an arrow, fuse that, and then arsenal your electrify. You yeah. know, that's yeah. still like a pretty good turn. For so, sure. Um, <clears throat> but the getting the entwined cards don't further. You know, they aid in helping you, but they don't, like, make your deck, so to speak. Yeah, right? like, that Entwine Earth is excellent, but doesn't up your Earth count yet. Yeah. You know, so totally. it's one of the... It blocks for two. Yeah, it's like one of your class cards. Yeah. So now you still need X amount of Earth. But it's, like, worse because it doesn't block very well. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So um, my recommendation would be that I would... or how I would play it out is I would identify what cards are the most open cards to pick pack one, pick one. Yeah. And then go from there. Right. I would have done that homework, uh, gone into that draft and felt solid about how to get some momentum going in those packs. Cause I've definitely drafted and felt floundered in my first couple of picks, like, uh, you know, kind of scatterbrained all over the place. Um, and I would really like to have be a little bit more calm in those first couple of picks, even though they're maybe not the most crucial, but to just get the momentum, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess the bullet point there is knowing which cards are powerful and open, whereas which cards are more, you know, because like weave lightning is really good in lightning briar right because it gives the attack go again into rosetta but it's also a free pump for lexi which you have dominate on demand right yeah. so weave lightning is just a great card yeah in that respect um so i guess that would lead into just like the other thing i would say is you know know your archetypes right mm -hmm. because if you know again if i'm if i get two red vela flashes but then I'm running Earth and Bramble Sparks. You know, that's like two different strategies. Both are, I, I love Bella Flash. I think that card is really good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then you can kind of have, and I've done this before, you can kind of have this deck where you're just drawing your, you know, your Earth Fuse cards with your Lightning cards and vice versa. And um, that'll probably happen to some degree because you can't draft a perfect deck, but you know, know what you're going for, right? So after I choose those two red Vela flashes, right, I I need to have my lightning count in mind. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, just keep in mind that I'm going for lightning uh, briar if it continually presents itself. But if, like, earth is hard pushed at me, right, then I'm, you know, that's okay. Vela flashes, blocks for three, one for five. Still great, but, you know, now I'm... I'm off that. I don't need lightnings. Yeah. Um, same with, you know, if I'm going for a control old right. Then my priorities 
you know, I still need big red attacks to swing back when I get a little breathing room, but then maybe I prioritize, you know, some earth blues or some defense reactions over, you know, maybe a yellow snow wonder or whatever. So just knowing the priority or the priorities for the archetype that presents itself and that you commit to. Yeah. Draft decks, not cards. Right. Right. Which yeah. is something we talked about in the reaction step is that, you know, cool lightning's open, but you're on Lexi, but you're just getting go again lightning attacks, like much harder to um, sequence your hands that way and arsenal those lightning cards and that sort of thing. So that's the big takeaway there. I'm very excited to watch the Nationals coverage. Um, we have set up a uh, little event at Oasis uh, Card Shop in McKinleyville where we're on Sunday we're going to watch the... Um, watch party. Yeah, we're going to have a watch party and play some games and just like freaking hang out and uh, just celebrate the culmination of the real first like U.S. competitive season. You know, so it's really, really exciting. Um, great job. I feel like, man, we sound like geniuses. It's exciting. Yeah. When you like, are just like, yeah, I figured it all out. Oh, I haven't played in any, uh, limited callings yet, but pff, <laughs> solved it. No problem. Just, uh, listen to our podcast. <clears throat> anyway, donate to our Patreon geniuses. Thank you. Um, let's talk about the ProQuest. Okay. Um, There's Dallas and Cincinnati. Lump them together if you want. Sure, yeah. I don't have numbers for uh, Dallas, but Prism wins Dallas. Bravo wins Cincinnati, right? No big upsets or surprises there. Um, I can look up really quick. I have the the top eight here for... um, uh, Oh, gotcha. Dallas? For Dallas, yeah. All right. Just give me one second. Go well, ahead. here I'll rattle off. So for Cincinnati, yeah, we have two Briars, one Bravo, one Chain, two Prisms, one Lexi, and one Katsu. Um, and then in the whole event, which was actually fairly small, there's like uh, you know, hundred and fifty, hundred something, um, players. There were fourteen Lexies and twelve Briars is pretty exciting mm-hmm. um so there's like a few things about that right like both briar and lexi top aided chain top aided also after the seeds ban um and then the bravo prisms and katsus are not surprising but it's nice to see a couple new heroes represented but not dominating right uh I think what helps is the because I've been trying to build Lexi lately. The just the complexity of deck building that character it may take a while to, um, you know, to see one mode or one archetype dominant. Um, in Dallas, we also saw a Lexi top eight, and it was a very different deck than the Cincinnati deck, which uh, I think is like really great. Right, like one was a snapshot Death Dealer deck, and one was a uh, like mostly Lightning Lexi, Full Terror, yeah, yeah, deck. Um, so that's pretty cool. I thought that was that was cool. Yeah, I think the top eight in Dallas is two Dash, two Bravo, Lightning Lexi, Katsu, Prism, and Sabers Bolton. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Um, we did have five Boltons in this pro quest, but none of them made top eight also. Yeah, um, totally. Um, it seems like, so in both top eights, we get kind of like a um, high variance type deck, right? Like when you look at that chain top eight deck list, it's the like flock, trimmer, high roll deck, right? And just runs hot and gets into the top eight. With like sting of sorcery and stuff now instead of seeds. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at the deck specifically, gotcha. but it's just more of like leaning into the high, high variance. Yeah. Right? I think they get second, right? They're, they, they go against Bravo in, in the, the finals. finals. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cause chain beat, um, Briar, which what Brendan was on, mm. um, Briar in that chain winds up winning. Um, <clears throat> but then we also see like Sabres Bolton, right. Is also like a high variance deck. That gets you all the way to the top eight. So sometimes yeah. you just like, but then did not in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Just like you get a high, high, hot. You get a hot deck for the day, which is normal though, right? Like those decks have really huge ceilings. So with enough of them represented at enough events, it's like some of them will win yeah, totally. or do well. Or, and, you know, and as we know in like bigger Swiss events, you know, there's just no, there's different pathways to get to that top eight. Right. You but know. just out of five chains, right? Like one is probably going to like hit pretty bad and one's yeah. probably going to hit pretty good. Yeah. And then the others somewhere in between those or whatever. Yeah. Maybe you don't run into control really or, right. um, you know, et cetera. So, um, well, which is interesting because it's, uh, at least what I thought is it used to be, um, you know, I would prefer to aggro against chain, but now with seeds gone, I think that if you could pivot, if your deck has the ability to pivot to hard control, you'd probably have a better shot now. Yeah. And I think that's what the like, uh, post game interview, uh, the gentleman that won with Bravo said he did. He just Mm -hmm. like sat across from chain and was like, cool, there's no more seeds. So I guess I'll just go into a deep control strategy. Um, which for sure works, which is funny because it's like, That's like what they wanted to uh, stop from happening, right? It was like boring gameplay where one player just blocks and another player just attacks. But it's like now that's just the surefire way to win, potentially. You mean by <laughs> banning seeds? Yeah. That's what they wanted. Yeah, totally. But I guess that's like an unwinnable board state. Is that your what you're getting into with Chain? Like you can't... If it goes that late, you get Urser, you get all these seeds, you get... Uh, Rift Bind comes in for 15 and then yeah. 8 and then Urser, you know. Um, so that's like not a game plan now, but it's still like on the opponent's end, it's the same, just extremely more effective. Yeah, that is too. But I think the other thing they were going for is to like make the game varied again, right? It's not yeah. extreme aggro in four turns or extreme control, right? There needs to be room for a type of mid-range deck to play um which seems to have worked right now we see all kinds of different archetypes yeah um in it also looks like from the numbers i hope these are also correct because it just seems like such a low amount of people right playing in yeah. pro quest like if there's 500 people in um but these are the numbers we have so if there's 500 people playing in uh cincinnati in only like a hundred plus 
wind up in the pro quest there's like you know 200 or 300 people unaccounted for just playing side events i guess yeah i don't know sorry i pulled these numbers off the fab tcg website mm-hmm. um but oh anyway. in their in their recap of the yeah oh then that's yeah. then that's correct so but yeah where did those other 300 players go yeah did they <laughs> uh i guess they're just jamming side events or something or went home yeah i don't know know. it seemed like the pro quest uh at vegas was freaking massive you know yeah so i don't know i don't know um all right well so talk to me about these briar decks oh what do you see in briar I'm not sure. We only see the two lists in top eight, and we just see like a double highly aggressive strategy from both decks, right? Like um, Brendan's deck is, uh, you know, uh, chocked full of generics, but the whole idea is to just go wide, get to the sword, uh, keep Channel Mount Heroic out for as long as possible, and like, you know, come in with friggin' command and conquer for nine, you know, at the, you know, <laughs> play Bramble Spark, uh, you know, fuse it with a blue earth card, pitch the blue earth card. You got Mount Heroic out, come in with, uh, whatever it's called. That gives you go again. Would you, what was your suggestion? Oh, Vigor Rush. Yeah. Vigor Rush yeah. comes in for seven, Plus the Bramble Spark, so it's for 10 and an Arcane. And then you come in with Command and Conquer for 9. You know? Yeah. Like, deal with that, everybody. Right? Yeah, I think the takeaway there, right, is that Channel Mount Heroic, as well as Bramble Spark, buff everything. Yeah. Not just elemental cards. Yeah. Attack, right, so attack what, actions. whatever your, you know, Scars or Snatches or commanding like anything gets pumped by it. Yeah. So just really leaning into that high damage output. Yeah. Um, of course, Rosetta is also very good. But yeah. um, and then in the other Briar in the top eight is like the most red line, low to the ground cost curve deck I've ever seen. There's like six or eight blues only, and <laughs> the only card that costs anything is like Command and Conquer. Everything else costs zero, and it's like a pure lightning deck basically, which is just just nuts. So it's tons of mixed damage, tons of attacks. Nothing costs anything. You mean like nimbleism nimbleism into scar and then no it's like nimbleism nimbleism scar rosetta or something it's like a little bit different than that it's like actually like into arcanic shockwave like play two nimbleisms into that or something Um, but then into rosetta if you make a lightning yeah yep Yeah. yeah totally exactly and you know that costs you uh one resource for the sword right right so uh yeah i can pull it up right here yeah so it's just like yeah entwined lightning we got lightning presses nimbleisms blunder runs ravenous rabble you know ball lightnings of all variety (laughs) not the blues but reds and uh and yellows yeah so like nothing costs anything in the deck right which is pretty nuts and what i found um because we played against, I played against that deck the other day, and uh, what I found is that so I mean it's like really, they're really aggressive, but and you're like some of your cards don't block very well, but then with your embodiment tokens, it's like if I choose to like shit, you have 
you know, 10 armor points and embodiment tokens anytime I choose not to just block out. So then uh, pivoting is really tough because you can be like, oh, okay, well, I'll block for five with one card and then continue the pressure. Yeah. So trying to, uh, you know, once you add that value in there, it, you know, it's a good deck. Totally. Praise upon anybody who's also trying to out aggro you. It's like, right. well, you can't because I'm just going to win the exchange. Yeah. You know, unless you draw the four attack hand, then that kind of like, there's still that level of variance in there. It's like, cool. I have only non attacks or I only have attacks can still happen. Um, but hopefully you've dealt enough damage that you just block it out and kind of restart the cycle. So, um, yeah, they still feel like, you know, not to take any away, anything away from anybody, but just like not super refined yet. Right. Which makes sense because it's really, really early in the meta, but it's just interesting that there was so much aggro at Cincinnati, you know, both these, all three of the rune blades, um, in the Lexi, right? Like, yeah. Which is just a pretty cool proactive strategy, which just probably punishes early opponents who are unsure of how to play against those heroes, you know? Yeah, definitely. You're like, well, I know my combo is good. I don't know what you're going to do. So no blocks. Right. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. And it, it just like having a full aggro strategy or full control or, you know, whatever, just really uh, your game plan is more one dimensional and you have to make less calculations right throughout the game. So throughout an entire day of playing this, you have less decision points that you can make a mistake on, right? So if you're if you're playing full aggro or for full control, and I'm playing a you know techie mid range or combo deck, I just have more decision points in my day and more chances to make mistakes. And you know, therefore, it's like inevitable I will make more mistakes. Yeah. Um, not to say that your deck autopilots itself or it's perfect or you know whatever, but it just it's like the the more complex or combo based or whatever your deck gets, the more difficult it is. And it, it just shows at the end of a long day of playing. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of segues into like looking at this um, field. It makes me really want to play Leviah or Reinar. Right. Right. Like I feel like that those, both those heroes play really well into that, top eight i could be kind of wrong you know um the explosiveness in uh uh mr patrick's uh briar deck is pretty insane but it's also like very specific in that like if you have to block with your non-attack action and you have vigor rush all of a sudden vigor rush is just a one for four which blows you know yeah so then you either like take all of that reinar damage or whatever um, yeah, which we only we see six Leviathans and seven Reinars in yeah. this um, pro quest. None of whom made top eight. Yeah, um, we don't know how like well they did. Like maybe they bubbled out at ninth or tenth yeah. or something, you know. Um, but uh, I mean, we were talking before the podcast and kind of theorizing on how to attack. Like if this is what the meta is going to look like, how do we attack that more? Um, and I think we still like our chances with Leviathan and Reinar particularly Leviah. Yeah, I have a little bit of 
pushback maybe against Reinar or not, but it it just struggles against aggro. Mm-hmm. So if you come in with a very mid-rangey or defensive Reinar build, um, I think it could have a decent time, right? Because you can just block, play defense react from Arsenal, and then, you know, play like red barraging into your club. And then, like, you know, you get intimidated, you have to block with two cards or take eight, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that type of Reinar is like fairly strong into aggro, but then you have to kind of have your combo Reinar if you come up against, um, you know, some sort of control yeah. or like dash or defensive um, uh, guardian, you know? So, you know, I, I think it, it could be done. It's it's like a little bit tough maybe with your sideboard. You just have to like pivot to the... Because... Um, you know, like Bravo is very prevalent, right? And then these like really red line, you know, like Briar decks or whatever are very prevalent and very different. So you, uh, you just have to execute your strategy against each one very definitively, which can be done. Um, it's just, uh, well, it's always easier said than done. But, you know, I do think Reinar could have a good place, um, in this meta, it's it's also a, an issue of, like I said, there's, you know, in this game, I think overall we've seen um, kind of these, I don't know how to put this, like very consistent, very methodical decks, right? Like Control Ninja. Pistols dash is very much a control. Like linear. Can pivot, yeah. Yeah, linear um, game strategy. Chain is like high variance, but you're... Um, or was, but you're like... Power and large hand size kind of make up for that. Um, so anyway, just having this very... Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Linear game plan. Uh, so far has been dominant and rewarded in this game. So if you're playing... Uh, you know, like say you're playing a Claws combo deck into pistols dash it's on you to execute your game plan and not make too many mistakes kind of which can definitely give you the more powerful deck but it's like definitely on you to play uh excellently to get there if that makes sense yeah totally because it, it then relies on your skill you know versus the machine rather than like getting the advantage in like well card for card this is just a better matchup for me so right a bit of the pressure is off right yeah um yeah i totally agree with you um in in that respect uh for sure you know and like something like leviah takes uh quite a lot of testing and um discipline you know and when you play over like a long tournament it can be extremely hard and like plus the deck is like extremely punishing for when you like pick the wrong line you know (laughs) yeah you just like shit i've now lost yeah you die (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah i I mean leviathan's in the same the same department right like i like leviathan a little bit better in this department because against aggro decks like katsu um i've yet to play against this briar deck but 
you you can have this aggro game plan. Um, you have quite a lot of armor. Your deck pumps out more damage than Reinar. Um, and, uh, you know, it's tough, but this aggro game plan definitely works um, against aggro decks. And then you have to, like, pivot really hard, but it doesn't really take that much sideboarding. It's just a hard pivot in strategy to go up. Like, say you go up against uh, Bravo playing control. Um, you just, like, hard pivot into, you know, your your recursion and your combo um, abilities. And, uh, you know, that's very winnable, too. You know, against Dash, you... Uh, you're you're playing a little bit more aggressively, um, but you still have to go over the top of their defense reactions and all of that. So, yeah, I really like... I mean, we were talking about, right, like, what beats Bravo? You know, Bravo beats everything, but then Prism beats Bravo, or can. Dash beats Bravo, right? So then what, what beats Prism and Dash? You know, Reinar and Levia. How do they perform into Bravo, right? Right. Uh, maybe not great, but you know, if it, if you can get to a place where that's a winnable matchup, you're sitting in a really good spot, right? You beat Prism and Dash, can beat Bravo, and then you have these aggro decks to deal with. Have to have a game plan there. Um, but again, it it's a high. Just there's a lot of mechanics at work and a lot of decision points. And I think that just um, that just gives playing as Dash or Bravo, or you know, Prism has a lot of decision points too. But that kind of gives those decks a lot a leg up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, what are your thoughts on the current, just that current uh, meta situation we're sitting in? Well, you have to be comfortable into playing against like. Um, Briar and Lexi, it looks like. Like those are the two popular ones. And it seems like Lexi has two top eights now. Um and that that is maybe kind of the front runner uh out of the Tails decks. Well so, Briar has two top eights now as well. No, it's but, two two Bravos in the one before. Right? Right, but there's two Briars in this uh second. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Two separate top two eights. Two separate top gotcha. eights. Um, so, um, you know, you, you gotta, whatever you pick has to play well into Bravo dash prism and Lexi and Briar, right? You have to like have some sort of game plan against those decks and, you know, I don't know anything else. So, I mean, Katsu's always there, but that kind of falls right, in the same. Like, you could just go down that rabbit hole, but to just like yeah. focus your testing, right? you know, those are the kind of things you probably want to be most focused on i think um and you know i don't know what i would take having not been really preparing for nationals because we're not like really going we're just like kind of um deck building and uh trying out new heroes and stuff and i just keep flipping back and forth between different rune blades all the time and stuff you know so just living the dream yeah just <laughs> building every rune blade archetype with every hero i can which is pretty fun um but i mean i i am sorely missing for sure the like structured weekly play 
um, for something meaningful that we had in Road to Nats um, season. But um, I think a well-piloted um, one of the brute decks could take you pretty far is is kind of what it feels like a little bit. So, um, yeah, we'll see if the if there's a jump in the meta for uh, nationals or not, you know, like how many people have a secret deck that they've been working on. That's what I'm most excited about yeah. is seeing like what these top players bring out. Cause this is it, right? This is what you tested and saved for. Yeah. And did not if, reveal if you, for. if you got anything freaking secret, this is the time. My guess is very little secret decks. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, if we were going to do that, we would have done it at like calling Vegas. Right. But people just played whatever the hell they wanted to. Right. People just went like, well, ah, dash is pretty good. I like that deck. I'll play that. True. But chain has been nerfed now. Yeah. So there's room for other. Yeah. Archetypes. So now you really can go like, oh yeah, Azalea is the best. I love Azalea. <laughs> I'm just going to play Azalea, you know, or like, I'm still going to play Savers Bolton or whatever, you know, right. Like that, you know, we'll see. It's a professional level event. Um, but I don't know out of how many of those players are like, I'm going to win nationals. Right. Oh, right. right. You know what I mean? So we shall see. I, it is pretty wide open though, which makes it fun. Yeah, it is really fun. Yeah. And it would be nice to see like a rogue deck rise from, from the, I don't know. Do you have a pick? Oh, who's going to win? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was trying to think of a metaphor, a spicy one, but just like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I have a pick? Um, I would just like it to be a rune blade. I don't care which one. Nice. Just a rune blade to win. That's it. Cool. That's my pick. What about you? What's your pick? Uh, I'm going to... This is just not very exciting, <laughs> but I'm going to pick Prism to win. Uh, just that deck is very, very good, mm-hmm. except it against its Achilles heels, Leviathan and Reinar. And I, if somebody can get there with a brute over this whole meta picture and take advantage of those prisms, awesome. Good for you. Those, that's the deck that should win, right? Like Levia should win, I think, but it's really about getting there and it's harder, <laughs> harder when you're doing it. Um, so you know, I again like minus a standout Leviah or maybe Reinar, I think Prism uh you know I think Prism will do it. It's a toolbox deck and it's got a lot of great tools. Totally. Um Well that's it for the main topic. I think me and you have not been corresponding a ton about the game and stuff. Um for you know because i'm busy with work and whatever so we had a lot to say today on the pod we did <laughs> which has been pretty fun but nice visiting with you um and talking about flesh and blood you too it's good to see you yeah totally that's why we uh started this podcast but before we end our podcast we have our signature segments so we're going to start off here with pick pass prey it's a draft scenario i'm going to give you three cards isaac and you're going to pick one pass one and pray one comes back around are you ready? I am. Okay. First card up. Autumn's Touch Red. Pitches for one, cost three, attacks for seven, defends for three, and is a earth action attack. 
The hand of autumn sweeps the land, guiding life towards rebirth. Okay, that's your first card. Beautiful. (laughs) Second card, Oakenold. It's a red, so it pitches for one, costs three, attacks for seven also, defends for three, is an elemental guardian attack action. It has earth and ice fusion, and if Oakenold was fused, it gains plus two, dominate, and if this hits a hero, they put two random cards from their hand on the bottom of their deck in any order. Okay? Third card, Red Heaven's Claw. Pitches for one, costs one, is foil. (laughs) Uh, Attacks for five, defends for three, and is a lightning attack action. The hand of lightning strikes the land, jolting life from its slumber. All right. So which one are you going to pick? Which one are you going to pass? And which one are you going to pray? Comes back around. So I'm picking Oakenold. Right. Uh, I want to play it. Slamming it. Don't want to see it played against me. Um, it is guardian, but it's it's worth one of your one of your slots here. And this is a a card that can kind of define your deck, right? Because you could, you know, you could defend or have good exchanges, keep your life up, and then you can see this card and you could arsenal it. Then you could do the same thing some more until you have a window to play and fuse it. And it's the kind of you know pivot turn that you know could like win you the game later on but you know when you the game with that pivot turn it's just such a good card it also i mean the double fuse maybe is kind of tough but it also it just like blocks for three it costs three to swing for seven anyway even if you don't fuse it's just money this card is only money it's a house yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna grab that that's one of the majestics in this set that is like a you know one of the powerhouses yeah i'm gonna pray autumn's touch comes back around because that's very, very powerful in both Briar or Guardian. You know, blocks for three, swings for seven. Just great tempo card. It fuses. It's a card you want to put in your arsenal after fusing. You know, it it swings alone. It it works off a of Bramble Spark. It just does it all. Um, I'm also a pretty big fan of Heaven's Claw. But as we talked about earlier a little bit, it's like much better in Lexi. So it's kind of almost... I mean, it, it fills one of your lightning slots in that mechanical way, but arsenaling it in Briar is not, unless you're making embodiment tokens left and right or whatever. It's just, you know, a little less less good. Uh, also, one of my least favorite foil is too much foil. They spilled the foil <laughs> no while such they thing. were foiling it. <laughs> no such thing. More foil. All right. What do you got? I'm going to do the exact same thing as you. Again, yeah. second week in a row. We've been practicing limited. <laughs> Well, it's just this set is uh, a lot different than the other ones were to where you could stay open in different ways or whatever. Um, If there wasn't also this whole pack was just insane. Yeah, there were five runner ups. Yeah, totally. This pack had a lot of good cards. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but just Oakenold is just too good. Right. And then Autumn's Touch just because of the fact I've picked Oakenold and could pivot to Briar means uh, I'm like right where I want to be, you know, as the card I'm praying comes back around. Um, and you don't lose anything by picking Oakenold first because if you wind up in Guardian, great. Like you said, if you don't wind up in Guardian, you don't have to get Oakenolded, you know? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and you know which is cool that we uh agree on these cards um interesting um that it hasn't been like that until now yeah with this set yeah yeah in almost any pack autumn's touch would be my first pick yeah red maybe yeah yeah Yeah, the red red, red yeah for sure even heaven's claw in some packs i would pick also you know but just the fact that Oakenold is here is um just pretty spicy yeah it's really good i'm just staring at it so great okay that's been pick pass prey no riddle me this this week but it is isaac's turn for game from the closet what do you got isaac it is and this this segment i'm going to do a little bit differently i'm just going to tell you about my personal favorite uh tcg was legend of the five rings that is a lcg oh sorry people will tweet at you corrections (laughs) you're on twitter now you gotta be on point bring it on yeah (laughs) um but so this game um got canceled unfortunately but i just uh so i don't know i'm not really this isn't really a sales pitch but there's just a few things i really love about this game and why i think it is really really great um so in this game it's uh it's set in japan you have two decks fantasy japan yeah two decks one deck is fuels your hand of cards and is kind of your actions and the other deck um puts a card face up in each of your four or face down or up in each of your four provinces so you have four provinces and a stronghold and you are trying to attack and destroy your opponent's strongholds or provinces and then their stronghold and those cards that are in your strongholds become your uh you know soldiers etc out on the battlefield and this game just made for a very complex um kind of battle state there's a very a very interesting poker match that goes on between you and your opponent as far as i'm committing troops to this battle at this province now but what do you need to save for when I attack the other province and what do I have, et cetera. Um, which I found like really, really interesting and fun to play. It also has a splash mechanic, which um, with the talents I was happy to see in uh, Flesh and Blood come up, but it's been like very rigid so far. But I'm a huge fan of uh, the splash mechanic in games, especially in L5R. Um, in that you could splash, I think, 10 of any other class cards into your... So if I'm playing Scorpion Clan, I can splash in 10 Crab cards into my deck. Or 10 of any set. But not all the cards from each other um, uh, clan yeah, work in your deck. But it just makes for very open-ended and interesting deck building and uh is kind of limited in the fact that not all of the mechanics sync together so anyway i hope to see some more and maybe more varied splash mechanics in flesh and blood but just very much enjoy that in games so anyway that's my little pitch about what i like about l5r uh it you know i hope it comes back someday i thought it was very enjoyable but it was a, a very, uh, to me, it was a very mechanically sound, um, you know, creation and card game. So thanks for making it, whoever made it. <laughs> yeah, and this is where we would disagree. 
is that I also enjoyed that game, but found it uh, overly complex and that detracted away from like the other parts of the game that I thought were more fun, you know, like the, uh, the artwork's really great and the theme is really great. Um, but I just found it just a little too complex and too long. Totally. A little longer and more plotting than, uh, you know, flesh and blood, for example. Like if you like blitz and flesh and blood, this is not the game for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. If you want to sit down and play a two-hour match of a card game that you maybe will never be able to figure out where you made the wrong decision and lost the game. Totally, it's my jam. <laughs> then this is the game for you. Um, uh, but if... Uh, anyway. Uh, cool. Well, that's our show. But specifically the splat, I really like splash in games. So... Nice. While keeping it from breaking the game, I would like to see more of that type of thing. Well, you can splash in your ranger cards in your Lexi deck. I can. Or, yeah. Totally. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I appreciate you all. Um, check out our socials. We're, it's all in the description of the show. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. The YouTube page is popping off right now. We got gameplay videos. We got deck building sealed videos. We got a YouTube exclusive sister pod. Um, it's all there. More to come. More to come for sure. Um, um, also use our affiliate link for Fab Foundry, please. And uh, go support our Patreon. Got lots of fun bonuses. Yep, exactly. Um yeah, the Patreon is really great. It gets you access to our Discord, um, which are like, well, I'm already in like 12 other Discords. Yeah, but it's, it's better than those you're ones. You're not in this one. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's extremely fun to hang out with all of these folks and um, uh, get to like filter the resources and stuff, you know, because we have so many people looking at different social media platforms that we get plenty of stuff posted to the discord in a much more like uh easier to digest newsreel of flesh and blood stuff and happenings and whatnot um so yeah and just four bucks a month gets you that and gets you into uh our bi-monthly every other month um webcam tournament where we play for the chalice of champions a real chalice that you get mailed to your house and you get a drink from its tasty goblet um any day of the week if you win um so we got that going on um higher tiers get you cool swag like stickers play mats etc yep totally that's it thanks everyone yep Thank you. And we will see you right now. The next pod is scheduled for after nationals. Um, hopefully we will have national champion Brendan Patrick on the pod. Um, he's agreed to come on and guest star on the podcast. So that's the next one you can look forward to. Also a reaction step coming up next month. Yep. And then we'll have a reaction step. And then uh, we don't have anything planned after that. So if you have any ideas for the end of November, let us know. Oh, yeah. Please reach out. Like any questions you have for us, anything you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, you know, whatever. Yep. Words of encouragement. 
your grandmother's apple pie recipe, whatever. We'll yep. take it. Credit card numbers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.